Wednesday, Yud Aleph Sivan, and this is KMTT, Kimitzion Titzei Torah, today's shiur I will be giving, this is Ezra Bek, shiur on Mesechet Brachot, Yudchot Brachot, Halacha, Ve'agada. For today's Gemara, we're going backwards slightly in the Mesechet. The Gemara and Afkim Alamudbet is referring to the fact that in the Mishnah, the first Mishnah of Brachot, so different times having to do with the night are mentioned. The middle of the night, the end of the night, the beginning of the night. And there's a Gemara which talks about how the night is divided up. There's some sort of metaphysical division of the night into either three parts or four parts. And in that context, the Gemara quotes a Pasuk in Tehilim, in Tehilim Kufyutet, where David HaMelech said, Chatzot Laila Akum Lahodot Lecha Al Mishpatei Tzidkecha. David HaMelech in Sefer Tehilim says, At midnight, Chatzot Laila, at midnight, I arise to praise you, to praise you God, for the rules of your justice. So David HaMelech said that he used to get up in the middle of the night, he used to get up exactly at midnight. The Gemara then questions whether or not that's true. The Gemara says, David Bepalga Delayla, Havekai, is it true that David HaMelech would get up at midnight, at half, half the night? Me'ota Havekai, we know that he used to get up earlier in the evening. Dechtev kidamti b'neshef ha'eva sheya. It says in the same parak in Kufyutet, if you remember Kufyutet, it's the parak in Tilim, that has eight times the alphabet. So the Pasuk Chatzot Laila Kum Nodot Nacham Shpatei Tzidkech is a Chet. This Pasuk is a Kuf. It's much further away, but it's still in the same parak. Kidamti B'neshef Evashaya, I would um, get up early. I would proceed in the Neshef and I would pray. And the Gemara explains that the word Neshef means the evening, the beginning of the evening. So I'm going to skip how the Gemara knows that. We're now facing a contradiction. The Dabit HaMelech get up at midnight or did he arise earlier in the evening? The Gemara gives two different answers. The first one, Rabbi Zeira Amar, Ad chatzot laila haya mitnamneim kesus. From the early evening until midnight, he would doze like a horse. Mikan ve'eilach haya mitgaber ka'avi. From that point on, from midnight and on, he would arise strong, like a lion. What does it mean to doze like a horse? I'll, I'll tell you what Rashi says. Rashi says, mitnamneim kesus, oseik batorah kishuhu mitnamneim. He would learn Torah while dozing. He wasn't, it means he wasn't asleep, he wasn't sharp and 100% awake. And in fact, he was, in some sense, learning Torah, like a horse who does never fall asleep completely, but is dozing and awake at the same time. I'm not sure about the uh, physical, biological uh, basis for the statement, but Rashi has a picture of a horse standing up, not going to sleep entirely, half asleep, half awake, and that's what David Melech would do for the first half of the night, the second half of the night, mitkaber ka'ari, he would be like a lion, awake, and, and uh, it doesn't say what he was doing, mitkaber ka'ari. Rav Ashi Amar, Ad Chatzot Laila Haya Oseik B'Divrei Torah, Mikan Ve'elach B'Shirot B'Tushpachot. 
Rashi said he in fact he got up the whole night. The first half of the night he would learn Torah. The second half of the night, Shirot v'tushbachot, songs in praise. In other words, Sefer Tehillim. Okay, these are the two answers given in the Gemara for this for this question. The first answer is really very difficult to understand. What, what, what exactly is the Gemara trying to say? I mean, what's the point? If it was if it was historically true, it would be interesting. But what, what is the Gemara trying to say? That David HaMelech divided the night into two parts. Half he, half dozed, half learned Torah. And then at midnight, he would arise fresh, powerful like a lion. It's really hard to claim that I know the right answer to this question. I'm going to make a suggestion. It's rather uh, associative. And I think everyone is free to suggest something else. But I think what the Gemara is describing, the idea of being mitnamneim kisus, as opposed to mitkaber ka'ari. After all, the Pasuk says that at midnight, the Ben-Melech would get up to praise God for the rules of his justice. What did he do in the first half of the night? He wasn't active. To make a declaration, as he did at midnight, is to know exactly what you think, to get up and to state it. I praise God for his rules of justice. The first half of the night, the Vedamelech was, we would say, half conscious, half awake, both, not so much I think the idea that he was resting, but that you really have to be deeply asleep, but rather, he was sort of letting his mind float. And the idea being that the Vedamelech divided the night into two. In the half, he basically ingested. He let, he, he, he meditated on God's justice. He meditated on the world. He meditated on Torah, as Rashi says. Not with a directed thought, I'm going to solve this problem, I'm going to say A, B, C, D, and E. But the Bidamelech in his greatness, the Bidamelech in the fact that he was, after all, the author of Sefer Tehilim, but Chazal portray him as a Talmud Chacham, as one who learns Torah. And I think what Chazal was saying is not that he was the regular Talmud Chacham that we're used to, but the Bidamelech learned Torah with his soul. And therefore, he sort of combined the attributes of Shirah Torah, of song and Torah. And the combination was that he let his mind freely associate within Torah. And then at Chatzot, having done that for half the night, he had indeed a conclusion. He wasn't merely floating along. In the end, he would get up and draw distinct conclusions about the rules of your justice means Torah. It's, it's the rules of, of, of the Torah, the rules of Halacha. But he was able to praise Mishpatei Tzidkecha because he had a deep, inner, soul-based connection and not merely a conscious, mental connection towards those rules. So Chazal here presenting a, a very, very special picture of the Vira Melech as... What are you doing? His waking hours. I think in his waking hours he learned Torah the way everybody else. But in his night hours, the Vidamelech engaged in some sort of a open consciousness relationship with Torah, half dreaming, half asleep, half meditating, musing, drowsing, dozing. Kisus. I'm not 100 percent sure of what this this simile means. Like a horse, Rashi says, never asleep even when he's not fully awake. And then, that created a difference which wasn't present 
at the end of the day. But now at midnight, he was able to praise the rules of God, the rules of justice, the laws of the Torah in a way that he couldn't have done earlier. Because these rules had somehow sunken into his consciousness, into his subconscious consciousness, in a manner that wasn't true in the light of day. That's my suggestion for the first answer in the Gemara. But I'm really interested in the second answer of the Gemara. The second answer is given by Rav Ashi. Amar Rav Ashi, Rav Ashi Amar, Ad chatzot laida ya osek b'devrei Torah, mikan ve'elach b'shirot v'tushbachot. Rav Ashi said the first half of the night, he was learning Torah. Haya osek b'devrei Torah. The term osek b'devrei Torah is one we're all familiar with from the Bechai. It means to learn. We make a bracha in the morning. La'asok b'devrei Torah. Classic learning is osek b'devrei Torah. At midnight he would switch to shirot v'tushbachot. David HaMelech switched to saying Tehillim in the second half of the night. And here we have a classic a classic juxtaposition in Chazal of two personalities, of two ways of relating to God, which can be called Torah and Shira. What Rav Ashi said was that David HaMelech split the night between the two of them. Midnight was the point where David metamorphosed from the cerebral intellectual Talmud Chacham to the poet to the person who engaged created and sang Shirot V'tushbachot there's an interesting medrash found in the in the Bereshit Rabbah concerning Yaakov Avinu Yaakov Avinu when he's getting ready to leave uh, Aram, getting ready to leave his, his father-in-law, tells his wives, uh, Rachel Vedaya, how he had to work so hard for Lavan, and he was up all night taking care of the sheep. The Medrash asks, what did he do all night? Yaakov Avinu is taking care of the sheep all night, but we know it's Yaakov Avinu. What is he doing all night? And there are two opinions in the Midrash. Very interesting. The Medrash doesn't explain where these two people got their opinions. From I assume they got it out of their own hearts. One opinion is, Yaakov Avinu, what did he do all night? He learned Torah all night. What else does a Talmud Chacham do in the middle of the night? The night is wonderful. Great time for learning Torah. Yaakov Avinu stayed up all night taking care of the sheep who didn't really need much taking care of. Basically, a shepherd has enormous amounts of time on his hands and he was learning Torah. The second opinion says, talking in the middle of the night on the hills of, of, of Aram, the hills of Syria, what did, David Melech, what did Yaakov Avinu, excuse me, what did Yaakov Avinu do all night? He said, Sefer Tehillim. He was saying praise and song for for God. In other words, you have two pictures in Chazal of a spiritual, an ideal spiritual personality. Especially when you talk about the middle of the night. During the daytime, one engages in all sorts of rational activities. But what does one do in the stillness of the night on a hill outside of nowhere bunch of sheep and nobody else, the wind softly blowing in the, hill, in, the, in the hills through the trees. What does the ideal personality do when he's all alone with God? No lights, no other person, no humanity, no civilization. There are two pictures. I think there are two sages who are probably speaking about their own ideals. One says, you learn Torah. 
you and God learn Bechavuta. The other one says, what does one do? One sings the song of the soul. One says, Sefer Tehillim. Chazal in our Gemara, Rav Ashi, says that David HaMelech did both. First half of the night, he learned Torah. The second half of the night, he said Tehillim. If I may speculate, why is the order? Why is that the order? So that's similar to the previous answer. First, one is rational, clear, cerebral, and intellectual. And that itself, the, 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 the ingestion of Torah into one's personality, then comes out. It goes, it seeps into the soul, and then the second half of the night, it's expressed in poetry, in song, in shir, in tushpachot, in halel, in zimra, in sefatilim. The Gemara, a few lines later, comes back to this question and expresses it somewhat differently. The Gemara wants to know how David HaMelech got up exactly at midnight. There is a well-known, the Gemara is found here, it's a well-known Gemara which many of us learned when we learned Shemot the first time. Moshe Rabbeinu tells Paro that approximately at midnight I'm going to come to kill all the firstborn in Egypt. When God does come, he comes, it says, at midnight. So why did Moshe Rabbeinu tell Paro Kichatzot about midnight? So the Gemara answers because a human being can't be exact and Moshe is afraid that Paro's watch will say 5 to 12 and God will come because it will be exactly midnight and then Paro will say God can't tell time. So therefore when you're dealing with people you don't say exact times. But the Vedamelech said they got up exactly at midnight. How was he able to get up exactly on time? The answer of the Gemara is the following. David. A harp. It says a kino. We don't know what a kino is exactly. Rashi thinks it's a, it's a wind instrument. But for most of us in, in, our, in our minds, we see the harp. David had a harp hanging over his bed. At exactly midnight, Baruch Tzifonit the northern wind would come and blow over the kino and it would play by itself immediately David Melech would get up and learn Torah until the break of dawn here again I think you see the combination, although the order here is the opposite. David is going to get up at midnight and learn Torah, according to this version of David's nighttime activities. He's going to learn Torah from midnight until the break of dawn. What's going to wake him up? He, he fell asleep. He had a busy day. He's exhausted. He's sleeping in bed. What's going to wake him up to learn Torah? Music. The sound of the kinah being played by the northern wind blowing at midnight over the kino that's hanging over his bed as he sleeps. The order here is the opposite. The song goes into your ears. It's not David HaMelech's song. It's the song of the night wind. It's the song of nature. It's the song of the outside world. It's the song of ruach, of, of spirituality. is going into David's ears and in response he is learning Torah. Both of these pictures that we just read are not as simple as the two 
opinions that I quoted before concerning Yaakov Avinu in the middle of the night. One opinion is that he learned Torah all night, and one said he learned he said Tilim all night. Here you have two pictures which are complicated. David Amelech is for Chazal, obviously the author of Sefer Tilim. He who is known as Neim Zmirot Israel, the sweet one of the Song of Israel. But Chazal always insists that David Melech was a great Talmud Chacham. So David Melech has both of these things running around in his soul. But nonetheless, we have two different opinions, which I think are, are in a much less extreme fashion, still the same two opinions. One says David Melech learns, and that's expressed in song. And one says David Melech hears song, and then expresses it in learning Torah. Does the Torah serve the ultimate purpose of the creation of Sefer Tehilim? Or does song, the song of the world, the song of the wind, the song of the Ruach, the song of the night, is that serve the purpose of bringing out the Torah of David HaMelech? You have two different opinions here. One place is, indeed, song and Torah are combined, but does the song serve the Torah, the Torah, or does the Torah serve, serve the song? This, this reminds me of a Gemara in Sanhedrin in Perak Chelek, where there's a dispute between Rab and Shmuel. For whom was the world created? Which figure? In other words, who is the ideal spiritual person? One opinion is Moshe. The world was created for Moshe. Rashi immediately explains, Shenitna Torah al Yado. Moshe is Rabbeinu. Moshe gave us the Torah. The second opinion is Lidavid. Rashi understands immediately what it's talking about. Ne'im Zmirot Yisrael. Moshe Rabbeinu is the paradigm of Torah. David is the paradigm of Shira. And the Gemara has an argument between two. Amoraim, Rav and Shmuel, who is the ideal of the world? Rav Yochanan there has a third opinion. Rav Yochanan says, Lo ivri alma Mashiach. The world was created for a third character, the Mashiach. End of Gemara. Obviously, we all know how what we're supposed to explain. It's the third opinion. The third opinion has, has to mediate between the first two. So apparently the Mashiach is a combination of Torah Shiva. Very, very beautiful. I always thought when you get to that point, you look at, at the people who are learning it, you say to them, and, and how do you understand this mediation, this combination of Mashiach, of Torah and Veshiva? So obviously there are two possibilities, and I'm sure there's going to be, there's going to be a, a controversy, not as extreme as Rav and Shmuel, but the same point. One will say, Mashiach is a Tamad Chachim who can also sing, and one will say, the Mashiach is a Mishorea who also can learn. And so we've sort in the sharp, we, we, we've softened the edges of the dispute, but it, but it continues. And those are the two opinions we have here in terms of what the Bidamelech, who is doing both at night, but how is he doing it? But this leads us to another, another question. What, in fact, does this come out indicated by the relationship between Tilim and Torah? I once saw someone, a, a, a Rosh Hashiva in Yerushalayim, who didn't understand, he, he, he thought there's a contradiction in the first half of the Gemara and the second half. The first half of the Gemara said that David Amelech would uh, learn Torah in the first half of the night. That's what Ravashi says. He learned Torah in the first half of the night and he said to him in the second half of the night. But the Gemara I just quoted, Rabbi Shimon Chasidah said that when David Melech got up at midnight, he then spent the rest of the night learning Torah. It's a contradiction. I have to admit, I don't think it's a contradiction. It's two opinions. That's how I explained it. But someone asked this question. And he tried to prove, from this we see, that Tehillim is also Torah. 
There's no contradiction. He in fact said Tilim, but Tilim is learning Torah. And this leads us to a very, very famous Medrash found in the Medrash Tilim. The Medrash is quoted by Rav Chaim Belajana in the Nefesh HaChaim as part of his polemic against religiosity, pietism taking the place of learning Torah. In other words, his polemic against Hasidut. What does the Midrash say? It's found in the 19th chapter of the Yalkut Medrash Antilim on the Pasuk Yudha Ratzon Imreifi. The Vida Melech said, May the words of my mouth be acceptable. Meet with God's grace. Yudha Ratzon Imreifi. The Medrash explains, David HaMelech is praying. He's making the following request. That my words, obviously it means the words of Sefer Tehidim, my words should remain for generations. And they should be engraved for generations. People should not read Tehidim the way they read a different poet, Homer, the Greek poet Homer. But what should they do? You korin bahem, they should read it vehogin bahem, and, and engage themselves. Lahagot bedivrei Torah is an expression in Chazal to, to, to muse and to, to hover over these words. Vinotlin sachar alehen kinagain vaolot, and they should, the people who are doing this should receive a reward like one who is engaged in Nigaim ve'ohalot. Nigaim ve'ohalot are two mesechtot in Seder, in Seder Tarot, the end of, of Shas. It's fair to say, rather obscure, technical, very unspiritual mesechtot. Nigaim deals with leprosy, deals with, with sores on a body, and ohalot deals with dead bodies, with the Tumah that uh, comes with death. Now, Rav Chaim, in a famous comment, Rav Chaim Rav famous comment, said the following. He said, first of all, you see that David HaMelech is saying, Halavai, he's praying, that Sefer Tehilim, the most deepest, most spiritual, most religiously uplifting of books that, were ever, that was ever written, should be like, should be the equivalent of two of the driest Mesechdot in Shas. So first of all, Rav Chaim said, you see, you see the, the basic framework here. Torah is Torah, and the Benach is trying to get the, the, the grandest of religious visions to be the equivalent of Nagayim Ve'olot. Then Rav Chaim adds, and you know what? We don't see that God granted his request. What Rav Chaim was trying to prove is that Te'ilim, for all of its, its content, for all of the Yirat Shamayim that's found in it, for all of, of the emotions, for all of the soul, that's inherent in every word of Sefer Tehilim, doesn't, in fact, become the equivalent of even the driest, most apparently non-spiritual, non-religiously motivated Mesechdot of Talmud Torah. That was Rav Chaim's comment. The question I asked before, how we, do we understand the contradiction in the Gemara, was answered by the Sefer Bikuri Eretz, a book written on Masechet Brachot, by saying the opposite. You see, the Dabar Melach wrote Sefer Tehidim. 
he asked that it be the equivalent of Nagim Olot, and apparently it is the, the equivalent of Nagim Olot. Kashbaruch said, okay. And that's why the Vedamelech understood it, that's why he said people should read it and also be Hogebo. If you just read Sefer Tehidim, then you're, then you're singing a song. But no, people should 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 learn Sefer Tehidim. But learning Sefer Tehidim should be like learning Negalim Ve'aholot. So in all honesty, I think that the Gemara we're learning says the opposite. Because if in fact, learning Sefer Tehidim is like learning Torah, then why did the Vedamelech split the day into, split the night into two? What's the difference between learning Torah in the first half of the night and Shirim B'Tush Pachot? In the second half of the night, the very expression indicates that the Ben Melech divided his night into two very different activities. And as I tried to say before, I think Chazal in general speak of two different personalities, two different kinds of relationships. One is through the mind, and it's called Torah, and one is through the soul, and it's called Tehidim Shira, B'Tish Bachot. The truth is that Rav Chaim, in the Sefer Nefesh HaChaim, when he quotes this Medrash, he quotes it in a different language. I don't know if he had a different version. I was never able to trace the exact source of the Medrash he's quoting. I think he simply was quoting it by heart, and therefore he changed. He changes the language, and he says that David HaMelech asked of God that in God's eyes, he who says to them should be like one who engages in the game of Olot. And then, Rav Chaim says, God didn't say yes. The truth is, our version of the Midrash, I think, is even, is even clearer. What the Bidim Melech asked was that people should receive a reward for Tilim, like Naga'im Ba'olot. I don't think he even imagined that it would be the same thing. If it's the same thing, then of course they would get the reward. He wanted them that God should also, also consider, also favor people for whom this is their derech, just as he favors those whose path in life is through, is through Torah. And if Rav Chaim is right, even that did not receive an affirmative answer, so be it. But it could receive an affirmative answer. In terms of the Sakhar, there are two ways to God. This Chazal say many, many times. There are two ways to serve God. Derech Shira, Derech Tilim, and Derech, and Derech Torah. I have to admit now, it's important that I say this. The thing I've just said now, and I'm going to continue for a few more minutes, is very controversial. I've never met anybody who agrees with me about what I'm saying. I want you to know that. No one should imagine what I'm saying now is simple. Uh, for 30 years, I've been saying this off and on in the yeshiva, and everyone who I've ever mentioned it to has told me that I'm wrong, including uh, Lichtenstein, including the Russian yeshiva. But nonetheless, I think it's a simple pshat of what we just read. Tehillim, expressing yourself to God, is not Torah. It's very, very important. It's Avodat Hashem. But it's a different kind of Avodat Hashem than, than Torah. That precisely was Rav Chaim's argument with Hasidut. And it's quite clear from the story of the Bidamelech, I think, in my opinion, that that's what Chazal thought as well. Without in any way denigrating Sefer Tilim. Sefer Tilim is David's accomplishment. But David divides his day into two. And the interesting relationship we saw before as to what happens, how do the two of them interact? Does learning Torah express itself later on in Shira? Or does a connection to Shira express itself in Midgaber Ka'ari, in jumping up like a lion and learning Torah? That's an interesting question. You have two different parts of the human personality which are interacting and expressing, one is expressing itself in the end through the other. 
nonetheless, I think Chazal kept the two of them uh, very, very separate. There is a simple nafkamina distinction, halacha la The mitzvah of Talmud Torah, you make a brach in the morning, la'asot b'devei Torah. When you make that, you learn Torah afterwards. You don't make that before saying, before saying to them, he who goes out into the middle of the night in the forest in order to commune with the Kaddish Baruch Hu, to let his soul spill out in the glories of God, should not be making a bracha of La Sokba Devei Torah before he, eh, before, before he does this. Tilim is the outpouring of the soul. Talmud Torah is the activity of the mind. Both of them connect to God. The Torah is Machshafto Shalakadosh Baruch Hu, God's intellectual activity, and the Shira is the Ruach, the Ruach Tzfonit, which comes from God, hovers over the Kino of David. It plays by itself, enters David's subconscious mind, whether he's being mitnamnaim Kisus, or whether he's sleeping, but it enters into his ears and becomes part of his personality, and later on is expressed in the glorious Sefer, Sefer Tehilim, Ne'im Zmirot, Ne'im Zmirot Yisrael. The Gemara states concerning a different kind of Shiva, Rina. Rina means song, but apparently a little bit different than the word Shir. Kumi Roni Valayla, the Rosh Ashburot, the Navi Yumiyahu said. Arise and engage in Rina, sing out in the middle of the night. And the Gemara says, Ein Rina ele Torah. The word Rina means Torah. Apparently a different kind of Torah than regular Torah. It's the Torah of the night. Ein Rina ele Torah, the Torah that one learns in the stillness of the night, it's Torah. But it has a song aspect to it. This is another attempt to somehow combine the two. Only if you understand the two are different, can you see how Chazal is trying to combine the two. It's not identical. But there's something called Rina Shel Torah. An intellectual activity in the middle of the night which the soul is engaged in in a manner that perhaps is different than the Torah of the daytime. Kumi Roni Valayla Larosh Hashemurot Shifchi Chamayim Libech Nochach Pnei Hashem Pour out your soul before the presence of HaKadosh Baruch And now for today's Halacha we're still in Tachanun. On Mondays and Thursdays is a longer Tachanun, but eventually you get to the core of Tachanun. The core of Tachanun is the part in the Siddur, it says on it, Nefilat Apayim. As I mentioned two days ago, the Rambam defines Tachanun as being Hishtachavaya, frustration. There is, a, however, a halachic problem with frustration. The Gemara says that it's forbidden to prostrate oneself on stone. Midioraita, this prohibition, means one is completely prostrate. Pishut yadayim v'raglayim, hands and feet out, on a stone floor, and face down to the floor. There's a dispute among the Rishonim, what is Asumi Rabbanan? How many of those conditions I just mentioned, three conditions, completely prostrate, face to the floor, and stone, can you... Eliminate, and there should still be a prohibition midrabanan. For this reason, when saying tachanun, 
we avoid all three. You don't flatten yourself out. You tilt to one side so your face is not directly facing the floor. And three, something should be between you and the stone. So you should cover your face with cloth or if you don't have a stone then perhaps that won't be necessary on a table or on a rug. But if it's a stone floor then you should make sure that your face is also covered by a garment. Talit, a sleeve or something like that. Some Mishnah think you don't have to eliminate all three and they would settle for eliminating only two out of the three. But what that means is that Tachanun, nefilat apayim, falling on one's face, is done in a limited manner to avoid the prohibition of outside of the Beit HaMikdash being totally pressured before God. But nonetheless, that's what it symbolizes. Nefilat apayim, Tachanun, is, yes, bowing down, prostrating oneself before God in a manner which doesn't involve a prohibition. Despite this statement, this clear statement in the Rambam, and, and the language used by many Rishonim, calling Tachanun Nefilat Apayim, there are in fact Minagim not to do Nefilat Apayim for Tachanun. Most Svaradim, following the Mechaber, uh, do not do Nefilat Apayim. The Isur, the prohibition of falling on one's face after the Beit Mikdash was so strong that they eliminated Nefilat Apayim in Tachanun completely. Uh, there are different Minagim in, in, in Ashkenaz, some people do it only when there's a shul and a Sefer Torah present. Many people, following the Rambam's lead, will always do Nefilat Apayim in one manner, and again in a somewhat stylized manner, even where there is no uh, Sefer Torah. It's an interesting point because, again, according to the Rambam and many other Rishonim, that's what Tachnun consists of. With, uh, the Ram doesn't say say Tachlan after Shmonesra. He says do Hashtachavaya after Shmonesra. What is Hashtachavaya? It's to bow down and say Tachlan. It's called Hishtachavaya. But again, as I pointed out, there is this prohibition in the, in the, in the background, and it has led to a situation whereby, for, in some Minhagim, this part of Tachlan has been, has been eliminated. So again, just to sum up this particular point, the Behul Rachum of Mondays and Thursdays is said standing because of an ancient tradition, that's how it should be done. And Tachnon is either said sitting or leaning on one side, on, on one arm, uh, covering one's face for the actual part of Nifilat which is, in our Minagim today, one of two prakim um, that are taken from Tehilim. One parak is commonly said in Ashkenaz, one parak is commonly said uh, in Nusach in uh, Svarat. There is a Dispute as to if one leans to one side, to which side should one lean? The common minag among Ashkenazim is to lean on the right side. However, that is in the morning. The real minag is to lean on the left side, which would be the right side of God. But if you're wearing tefillin on your right arm, it's not proper. Some machorim thought it wasn't proper to lean one's head, rest one head on the tefillin, and therefore in shacharit, they lean on the right, and in Mincha they lean on the left. Other Paschal thought there's no problem leaning on the Tefillin, and other Paschal thought that you should always do it on the right. So there are, in fact, three different opinions. The Kamen, Ashkenazi, Minagus, to do what I said, to lean on the right in Shacharit, and on the left uh, in Mincha. In principle, the most important thing is to lean to one side, in order to do one more step to avoid the Isur Diorita of falling flat, face towards the ground, outside the Beit HaMikdash. 
Once you're leaning on one side, it's not that big a difference. It's more of a, a hint as to which side is better, partially Kabbalistic reasons, uh, and partially merely a, uh, an extra an extra hint at which is the more appropriate side to lean. So it doesn't make that much of a difference, and therefore, uh, basically, whatever you want. But this is the minagim is what I mentioned before. The common minagim Ashkenaz is right in the morning, left at uh, left at mincha. Since I mentioned it, I just wish to reiterate: there's absolutely no reason not to say tachanun at mincha. Just as at Shacharit, I know there is some sort of a minag not to do that. I think it arose, I don't know when it arose, but it's against all the poskim. Tachnun is, I said, an important part of uh, post Shmones Davening, and it's said both at Mincha and at Shacharit, but not at Ma'ariv. Um, and that's it for today. You've been listening to KMTT, the Wednesday Shir on Mesechet Brachot Halacha Ve'agada as well as the Halacha Yomit. This is Ezra Beck wishing you Kol Tov. We'll be back tomorrow with a Shiur in Parshat HaShavua for Parshat Nassau. And until then, Kol Tov. Enjoy your learning. Enjoy your day. Have regular times for learning, whether it was with KMTT or in any other place. Rebukat HaTorah Mitzion. This has been KMTT, Torah Podcast of Yeshivat HaRetzion, Ki Mitzion Teitzei Torah, Udvar Hashem Mi Yerushalayim.